Well, today we are here with uh, Rhonda Gruenwald, who wrote the book A Hundredfold, A Guide to Parish Vocation Ministry. And she is the president and founder of Vocation Ministry in the Diocese of Houston. Yes, well, I mean, it's now um, the nonprofit is nationwide. The goal is to go everywhere, but we are from Houston. I am in Houston. And you were a wife and mother of two uh, sons. Tell us how you got involved in this work to promote vocations to priesthood and sister religious life. Yes, yes. Well, I, and my daughter would say that that's a problem. <laughs> that's okay. Awesome. I'm just, just, just letting you know. If she hears this, she'd be like, you didn't correct him? <laughs> so I have a, a daughter and a son, and I was just staying home, volu- you know, volunteering at church, just like a, a lot of moms out there, and and then got involved at our church to promote vocations to the priesthood, religious life, and sacramental marriage. And then that, um, after doing activities for about 18 months, you know, praying, bringing awareness to vocations, um, getting in front of our youth and affirming those already in their vocation, I was asked, you know, how can we do what you're doing at St. Cecilia everywhere in Houston? And I said, oh, well, maybe I could write a pamphlet. And so that pamphlet quickly grew into a booklet, and um, it has all kinds of activities, 57 activities on promoting vocations, praying for promoting vocations. And it's the how and the why do we need to do this and how to do it in a prayerful way. Um, Before, there was nothing really to tell you how to do the work at a parish. You know, how do you recruit members? How um, How do you successfully and joyfully put um, great witnesses in front of the kids, you know, so that they can be inspired to li- maybe a, a, a religious vocation. So it was just doing that for um, writing that book, and now it's, there's a website, vocationministry.com, where people can go and download free any resources they might need to um, do the work at the parish level. I'm trying to make it so easy for anybody. They have the book, they have the website, and now they can really make a difference. And what, I don't want people to think that the vocations is just our priest's problem. Mm-hmm. Our priest has to deal with finding more vocations, and not just to the priesthood. I really am talking about priesthood, religious life, and sacramental marriage. It's all of our responsibility to promote vocations. And um, there are a lot of dioceses who are really struggling for more vocations right now. And um, so we, we need to get to work. The lay people need to get to work. And what are some of those stats? Do you throw those stats around about priesthood and things? Well, I mean, we had a 25% increase over last year from for ordinations. Um, but and, and there is a small vocation boom going on in certain dioceses. Um, Boston, Philadelphia, Louisiana, Kansas City, Lincoln, Nebraska, um, St. Louis. Um, they have 90 seminarians living off campus. They have so many seminarians. So there are pockets of, and forgive me if I've forgotten a diocese or two, but there are pockets of of great vocations for priests, um, and we have some religious orders that are really booming. Um, In Ann Arbor, Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, um, Dominican Sisters, uh, Nashville Dominicans are also booming. Um, And it just depends on the diocese. But I, I feel like, you know, that is great, but I feel like to really restore our vocation culture that we used to have we need to have a more um, a a more concerted effort at the parish level to create an environment 
where the, a prayerful environment that the Holy Spirit can speak to young people, speak to parents to allow their children to possibly become a religious sister or, um, or a brother or a priest, and, um, and then to bring about awareness. I mean, really, Father, I don't think that many people understand that marriage is a vocation that, to be discerned just as much as the priesthood of religious life. Imagine if we got that across to the youth in a profound way and how many fewer divorces we would have in our society if they didn't just fall into marriage but really thought carefully about what they were doing. That's a path to holiness, you know, that's so so important to remind people. Tell us about, you mentioned like 57 activities. Can you also tell us... uh, like some of the, the core activities, the bread and butter ones that really work. <laughs> well, adoration for vocations is key. If you have a perpetual adoration at your um, parish, um, then definitely setting aside time for it to be specifically for adoration for vocations is, is huge. Um, there was a, a little town in Italy, Father, I don't know if you've heard of Lou, Italy, but the um, in in the 1800s, these four mothers got together and said, you know, we need more vocations. We want more vocations from our families. So they started praying before the Blessed Sacrament and, um, and then praying after daily Mass for vocations and, and did so for years and had more families coming involved in this. And over time, a third of their tiny village became religious sisters or priests. 323 of them out of 1,000 inhabitants over a 40-year period of time. So prayer is absolutely the most important thing we can do. Then after that is bringing awareness. You know that um, only 10 to 20% of parishes actually do anything at all to promote vocations. So that means 80 to 90% of parishes have nothing going on for vocations. So it is a real need to, whether that's praying um, praying uh, for vocations or having a huge committee doing a lot of things, only 80, so 80, 90% have nothing. And we really want to promote that that lay people getting involved, doing activities such as adoration for vocations and in instructing more in a loving way what what are vocations? What does discernment mean? How do you become a priest? Putting joyful witnesses in front of them. Having fun, 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 youthful activities for the, our young people is huge. We have a parish festival table for vocations, and we play uh, pin the uh, miter on the bishop, pin the collar on the priest, name that saint. You know, we have a priest and nun cutout uh, for them to participate in. And we get our priests and some seminarians and some sisters come, play hula hoop contest. You know, whatever it takes to be joyful and bring fun activities to our youth is huge. And I just wanted to give the scripture verse. It's powerful, uh, Matthew nine thirty seven. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so it's a command to pray for vocations. And also I think it highlights a connection between holiness and vocations, like holy families, holy church communities. You know, a devout culture will produce vocations. So clearly we're struggling in that area. But you do center on on family life producing vocations. Talk about that work. 
Um, well, families are the seedbed of vocations. So we have got to reach the families be, um, because we know um, through some studies that the um, young men and women who are answering the call to religious life, they said they first started discerning that between 13 and 18 years of age. That's 50% of them. And then another 30% said they heard it first in their preteen years. So we need to engage with the young people, and that means engaging the families. And so we need to give them an opportunity to pray because something different from the culture of 40, 50 years ago is we've got a very noisy culture, especially for our youth. And we're not giving the opportunity to pray. So having a family holy hour, or having children's adoration, teaching young children how to pray before the Blessed Sacrament in a purposeful way. Um, so reaching our families and growing that culture of holiness in the families, because we know that um, it's 80 per, 86% of seminarians come from a two-parent household frequently frequenting the sacraments. And so we have to encourage that kind of holiness to not only for their own sake, for the marriage, but also for vocations, absolutely. And do you know this weekend coming up is World Day of Prayer for Vocations, April um, 17th. And so this is a, cons a way we can pray for vocations. So I hope that no matter what people can do at their parish, so maybe they can't get the book and actually start a, a ministry of their own, they can actually pray for vocations on a daily basis, especially from their own parish or diocese. I've got a, a priest friend who's been in priestly formation for years and years, and he he always makes that point. He says he always prays for good families. He said because when you have good families, you'll get the vocations you need to the priesthood. But what what do you tell? I, I feel like it's such a challenge today that it seems like um, marriage needs to be presented in a, a light that is attractive. And I forgot if I did just read. I think it is actually going up a little bit a desire for marriage. But certainly marriage is hurting and our understanding of it. How do you promote marriages? Okay, so there's a variety of ways that you can do this. And um, it, you can have some, of course, a couple that maybe is a, a nationally known speakers to come in. We have one in Houston that I, who knew we have one down the road um, that came in and spoke to hundreds at our parish and our surrounding parishes. Um, and it was for dating couples for engaged couples and actually some married couples came too to learn about what is that vocation of marriage and what is that what is a, a holy courtship look like? What is you know, frequenting the blessed sacrament together as a couple, you know, when dating and, and all of those kind of things. Now, um, so if you can't do that, I know there are holy couples at every parish. There are holy, holy couples who've been married 30 years, 40 years, what have you, and putting those examples in front, joyful examples in front of, of children, in front of families. So, for example, we, we just had Lent, you know, the Lenten fish fries, right? You know, the Knights of Columbus put together. Well, we, um, one of our, we had a Knights of Columbus on our, our ministry, and he said, I think we should promote vocations at our fish fry. So we have now, once a year, a vocations fish fry. And we bring in seminarians, priests, sisters, married couples to put in front of, we have hundreds of people who come to our fish fry. So we have a whole community center full of people 
hearing the testimonies of these men and women and specifically married couples. And I think that's really important for them to not just get it from their own parents, but to just to, to hear that. And they could be, um, you know, a lot of youth programs, they have um, individuals working with the teens, not just the youth minister, right? Because it normally takes more than just the youth minister. If they're a married person, getting up in front and giving their testimony about what is what does that courtship look like? What does a holy marriage look like? What you know? How are they living out that sacrament? Mm-hmm. So, so it's just thinking any any way possible to put that out in front of them is so important. Yeah, I think that is so important. I know what the priesthood. Um, I was sharing with you earlier. You know, I was here and even beginning my studies still uncertain about the call to the priesthood and it was so important for me to have the witness of priests and and just to put it in front of me just to see it you know we meet a lot of priests here and I could see that they were happy fulfilled people and actually generally started to like priests you know they were they had a good time they're very uh, witty and, and it was fun getting to seminary I remember seeing other seminarians who were just like me and it was like this encouragement and and it made it seem doable. So I think we just need to maybe encourage priests, too, is that you don't have to dazzle them. You don't have to be Mr. Youth Guy or Mr. Super Funny. Just kind of be yourself. And, and same is true with marriage, because it's, marriage is like written in our hearts, that that's things we crave. So if they could see a couple living it, it doesn't have to be spectacular, but just showing them what it looks like, that is so convicting. Um, yeah. What are some of the other practical things you do um, that you spell out in the book, maybe? Well, um, I think that something that to bring about that joyful um, witness is affirmation. And I think this is a part of the um, ministry that is so important is to affirm those who are already in their vocation. So that that means, okay, so we've had off and on different, we've had six different priests in four years at St. Cecilia in some different capacity, right? So we've had some, like Father Victor, who's the one who asked me to come to a meeting about priests and such. Um, And we've also had um, other priests that may not have been like out and out really supportive coming to our meetings and wanting to be a part of this ministry, right? Um, And so affirming, affirming our priests because we want them to be joyful and happy. See, we want to affirm our priests and sisters just like we do our own family members because... They are. They are our family, right? And we want them to be happy in their vocation, and be. We should be very grateful for all that they do for us. And so we we have particular days to do that. For uh, the priesthood, we have Priesthood Sunday, which is the end of October. Um, that is a national um, holiday, really. It's called the Second Father's Day. <laughs> and then we have um, for uh, the World Day for Consecrated Life, which is in fe- the beginning of February. So it's a great time to recognize the sisters. And then, of course, we have World Marriage Day in February, too, you know, St. Valentine's Day. So uh, affirmation. So in that, whether that's just giving cards or making sure that the parishioners are given an opportunity to say thank you, you lead them in that way in the ministry. We lead them to that by announcing at Mass, okay, everybody, it's Priesthood Sunday. We're going we're gonna to all sign a card for Father Joe, blah, blah, blah. You know, w- w- and just giving different different ways to affirm them and say thank you is so important. Yeah, I think that is important that, uh, I know, at least as a guy, you want to do something, you kind of 
want to do something great, you know, climb the mountain or whatever. <laughs> and it was important I got that message from my family that, hey, priesthood is a good good way to give your life, you know. And so if you esteem it in the community, I think you attract uh, young men. What about for uh, religious women? What are some of the challenges you think are out there for young women to answer this call as to be a, a sister? Well, our young women don't see sisterhood very much. That's the biggest challenge. You know, the, our, our young men see the priesthood every weekend when they go to Mass. But we rarely see sisters anymore. So, um, so some things that can be done at, if you don't have sisters at your parish um, is to get, say, a video in front of, uh, of your youth. For example, For Love Alone is just a brand new video out of, of, of sisterhood, of the life of the religious sisters. And it's such a joyful 18-minute video you can get on Amazon, For Love Alone. And um, because we need to, again, since we don't have those witnesses in front of them, we need to figure out how are we going to do that. You know, if we don't have an opportunity, if we don't have a, a convent nearby that we can visit, I mean, some do. So that's a great idea is to, is to support your di- diocesan efforts. Many dioceses have a vocation director, and they will take a um, group of young women to a convent and have a weekend. Sometimes they stay, sometimes they just go for a day. But supporting those efforts is really a, is a good way to do it. Um, a nun run, right? A, nu- a nun run. Hey, anything to bring about um, that, uh, just the awareness of sisterhood and what does that look like for them. So the, I think that's the biggest challenge for them. I mean, besides our shopping culture, besides a culture that tells them that what's in, what is society, it tells them that what's important is is just how they look right. and and what others think of them. And so we need to put constantly put in opportunities for God to speak with them in a profound way. And so that way, in, in, whether that's an adoration, um, whatever, whenever that is, we need to constantly give them opportunities to pray. Yeah, I think just you know, generally like the spiritual life and what that entails uh, in terms of of loving communion with Christ, devotion to him, prayerful to him, and belonging to him. Mother Angelica stressed that so much about her own vocation. She talked about being the bride of Christ, you know, the spousal union. Certainly women are very attuned to that, you know, to being loved, to being, you know, the wedding day and all that, to be chosen and, and have that relationship. And and the, the sister has the fulfillment of that in Jesus Christ. I mean, marriage points to that reality that the religious is trying to embrace now on earth. So I think uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of people just don't know what the vocation's about. Um, so sometimes it maybe can seem too far off or too unlivable. Right, because, because it's not right in front of them, yeah. like the priesthood. And so um, that's another reason why we need to affirm our sisters. Um, find the retired sister community yeah. around you and affirm them and just get to know. I think if people put feelers out there, they would actually find that there's probably a community somewhere nearby that maybe they could ask a sister to come to a youth group. And, and speak about, or get them on Skype. You know, I mean, it's got to, if we can't, we don't have the witnesses right in front of us, we've got to find them. We've got to put the effort forth in finding them. And I really feel like if we um, create that environment for 
um, God to speak with every one of us and to say what is and ask what does God want for my life so training our children instead of saying um, what are you going to be when you grow up how are you going to serve God mm-hmm. what does he want from you that is so key. If we can get that turned around and get everyone asking, how can I serve him? Uh, I, I think that is, that is huge because God will work um, miraculous things. So one of my favorite quotes from Mother Angelica, if you are not willing to do the ridiculous, God will not do the miraculous. Mm-hmm. And so we need to do the, what may seem ridiculous right. to bring about the miraculous. And uh, practically speaking, maybe what is some event that has gotten good traction just in terms of like you know response that you can see that that's worked for you maybe at St. Cecilia's or the young people respond sure um well I think our where we've had our biggest impact is with our students at St. Cecilia Catholic School so we have a a pair school attached to uh and um, um, during National Vocation Awareness Week, we have a, a full week of activities where one day we'll have like eight seminarians come in and go through every classroom. You know, another day we'll have an assembly with uh, religious sisters, three different types of religious sisters to say, this is what we do and this is how we do it and, and this is how we love the Lord and serve the Lord every day. Um, and um, we have some young people who have said, because four years ago, there were sisters who came through, young women now saying, I am discerning a religious life because of that one encounter, mm. which I think is so uh, amazing that God, through one encounter, can put that so on their hearts. Mm. So, um, and doing it year after year. So, doing these kind of vocation events, sustaining them year after year vocations could become a second nature it's it's no longer what is what are you talking about you know what is vocation ministry what is discernment um you know they are now it's part of the culture of the parish and so that parents are more willing to have their own children maybe become religious um sister or a priest or brother as well because we need to change hearts that's kind of changed over the years when families are having fewer children so the few children they have, they want to have grandchildren. And so what I say is you, d- you can't just go right after them and say, you should be praying for your son to become a priest. Okay, I feel like if we need to change our, make a culture of prayer in our parish for vocations, first of all, and make it known, right, that we need to be, all be praying for vocations, especially from our own parish. And over time, hearts will soften. You keep putting those joyful witnesses in front of parents, too, not just the youth, right, because we're trying to get change minds of parents, too, putting them in front of the parents, you know, whenever that might be, and then, then you make the step to, could you possibly pray that your son or daughter becomes a religious priest, sister? Mm-hmm. So that's how we need to do it. It's overtime. We did not go from such a vocation culture to the society of death that we have now overnight. Mm-hmm. It is not going to be fixed overnight either. And it's, and it's got to be fixed mostly through prayer. So I would say that, that it, if, if we do one thing, that's what we need to do, and then get these other activities going throughout the parish life. And what's great about them is that you can pick and choose wh- whichever work best for your parish, and it's adaptable to a small parish or a large parish. Or I mean, I, I've spoken with uh, parishes that the one pastor, three parishes, mm-hmm. and they're making it work there. Uh, or, or some 8,000 family parish, how do they make it work there? 
Um, so I, I feel like it can be, it's very adaptable and a lot of great, great information, whether you've never had a vocation ministry or, or committee or whether you've had one for years, they're definitely going to be um, new ideas and new um, inspiration from the book. Now let's talk about your own story a little. You weren't raised Catholic, and you're out there beating bushes for vocations. What happened there? <laughs> oh, Father Mark, that is, that is a, a crazy story. Uh, my, uh, my own upbringing is, uh, I, I call it actually pagan slash Methodist, because my dad didn't want the Bible read in the house, and my mom was Methodist, and so God was really not mentioned ever, and we rarely went to church. And, um, and then by the time that I was supposed to be baptized in the Methodist Church, my parents were divorced. So um, I took it upon myself after college, and I'm teaching at this point high school, in a public high school, and I take it upon myself to, get, to become baptized, to be baptized in the Methodist Church. And then a year later, I meet David, my husband now of uh, almost 19 years, and he was and is oh. Catholic. Well, let me ask you, what made you want to be baptized at your teaching? Oh, that is a really good question. I knew I was missing something. And I started going back to church on my own, going to the Methodist Church. I'm, I'm still unbaptized at this point, but I'm going to the Methodist Church. And, and I saw somebody become ba be baptized. And I'm like, gosh, I don't think I've ever done that. I, can, I think I should probably do that. I mean, I think it's just so amazing to me that I got through 26 years of not relying on God for anything, even though he was right there with me the whole time. But through our my crazy upbringing and my family life that was really unstable and not normal, now I, find, I know this now because I'm living a married life myself, but coming through that and on the other side of it that I, I made it through and I, I wasn't a drug addict. I wasn't, I mean, that's amazing, honestly, that I, that's only through God's grace that he was walking that with me because I wasn't relying on him. And so then becoming, um, then being baptized was, is real, real turning point for me. But it wasn't until I went through RCIA after, um, David and I were married, um, that that was, RCIA was huge for me in the fact that not only was I, I was learning something that all of this was so foreign to me. The vocabulary, the saints, uh, everything was so new, and I just couldn't believe that all of this was out there, and I had no idea. So I was trying to just gobble up anything I could, and at the same time, I'm pregnant with our daughter, Abby, our first child. So instead of coming into the church at the Easter Vigil, I give birth. Praise God, not at church, <laughs> that I actually was at a hospital. But, um, but so she was baptized, and I was con confirmed at the same Mass then that, uh, a few weeks later. And, and what a blessing that was. And then I started going to different—my uh, husband and I were going to um, Living Matrimony, which was a couples group at our church. And I saw these holy women— up there leading the group. It was by couples, but I was, of course, focused on the women. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they totally have something. What is it? I don't know. I want it. And so I started um, asking, I started, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? And they were studying uh, St. John Paul's uh, twos encyclicals through uh, Familia. And so I did that. And so I just started that formation process on my own and with, with the help of these women. And then we changed parishes, and then I had this 
wonderful new priest, Father Victor, called me out of the blue. Do you want to come to a meeting about priests and such? And that was um, four and a half years ago. And why do you think he asked you? Well, um, he says it's because he just saw me praying at Mass and at Planned Parenthood and at youth group, and he just saw me at a lot of different places, and he knew I was very active. And and um, I think it's just so interesting. I think my story should tell everybody that God can use you. Mm-hmm. God can use you no matter what circumstances you're from, you know, just as long as you're open to whatever his will is in your life. And I have a, an amazing Mother Angelica story for you. So... At, when I was writing this book, I, I had a time of real discernment because I was writing for eight hours a day, mm-hmm. taking a lot of time away from my family, and I felt like God was putting these crazy tasks in front of me, mm-hmm. writing a book, having a website. I'd never thought I would design a website. Um, and so my spiritual director, um, Father Victor, said, you know, you need to be really close to the sacraments right now. You know, the evil one's going to be really trying to get at you because you're trying to promote vocations, right? And so you need to keep the sacraments close. So I started doing Novena of the Holy Spirit while I'm going to adoration and praying. At the same time, I am reading Raymond Arroyo's biography of Mother Angelica. And what do I read in those exact pages when I'm sitting there questioning what I'm doing? Mother Angelica's like, should I be writing this book? Should I be starting this station? Should I be buying this property? Should I be doing all of this? And every time the answer was yes. Do whatever he tells you. And he kept just putting crazy things in front of Mother Angelica, just like he keeps putting crazy things in front of me. Did I ever think that I would be sitting here with you having this conversation? No. Uh, So God is now putting me in different dioceses, holding workshops, speaking with priests. How many dioceses now is it? So the book is in 25 different dioceses. So they ordered in bulk from Vianney Vocations, our publisher. And um, I will, by the end of this year, have been in 15 different dioceses. The book only came out in June of last year. In nine months, this is all happening so fast and furiously. And uh, I'm just trying to keep up with whatever the Holy Spirit puts in front of me next. And the website again is? It's vocationministry.com. You can find out anything you need to about anything about this work, about a help, how to help in this work. Um, so vocationministry.com. I hope you will go and check it out and get the book Hundredfold, A Guide to Parish Vocation Ministry to find out more about how you can make a difference. I think there are parishioners out there all over the world who are ready to make a difference in this culture because they see such a negative shift and they want to be a part of the change. So if you want to be a part of the change, I just please get involved in some way and pray for vocations. Well, thank you so much, Rhonda, for talking to us. Oh, God bless you, Father Morgan, everything that you do.